So we're going to carry on um, the subject we've been talking on for the past couple of weeks, um, being called to purpose. So we'll go to our, uh, not our Roman scriptures, our foundation scriptures. First one is in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And then obviously Psalm 139, verse 14 to 16. If you, obviously there's some visitors here, we've been talking about being called to purpose, how every believer or every human being really is placed in the earth at a specific time for a specific purpose. And we've been looking at lives of people in the Bible. We looked at Joseph, we looked at Daniel, how God called them to something and how they had to overcome certain obstacles in order to achieve that purpose. So we're gonna carry on in that this morning, but first we'll go through these foundation scriptures. And so in Romans 8 verse 28 says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. It says it's for those who are called according to his purpose. I'll read again. We know that for those who love God, that's us, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And then Psalm 139, verse 14 to 16. It says, I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And so like I said, last week we looked at Daniel and the previous week, we looked at Joseph. And this week we're going to look a little bit more detail at Moses. We kind of mentioned him the first time and we read from Acts chapter 7. But if you'll go back to Acts chapter 7 and we're going to read some passages of Scripture. We read the first week, but then a little bit more. And Stephen, this is called Stephen's speech. It's the speech he gives before he's martyred and gives us a really good summary of the life of Moses. And so we're going to read that and then we're going to get into some detail. And so obviously it starts off, remember we talked about God's purpose being a deliberate plan and an advanced plan. And so in this first passage from verse one to seven, we see the purpose for Moses' life of why he came into the earth. Remember, it was a promise that he gave to Abraham. So let's read that first. So it says this, um, and the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said from verse one, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran, and his father died. God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. And says as yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not to him as a possession, and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in the land belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them for 400 years. But I will judge that nation they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. Skip to verse 17, it says, but as the time of promise drew near, which God granted to Abraham, the promise we just spoke of now, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, 
Moses was born. And just stopping there reminds you of something that Pastor Craig always said. It's just like, the circumstances in, for Israel were not convenient for children. First of all, they were slaves. Second, the Egyptians hated them. Thirdly, the Pharaoh had actually issued a decree to kill every single baby boy. But God said, this is a good time for Moses. And Pastor Craig often say, God said to him, it's like when he brought his own, particularly referencing Sarah Lee, it's like, how can I bring a child? How can I bring a daughter? How can I bring a girl into the world at this time? But God knows what he's doing. God, God brings people because they are able to overcome the circumstance that they are born into. Not to be victims to circumstance. We see this in the life of Moses. He overcame the circumstance. And so God brings people into that, even at this time. So if you're considering not having children, that's not God. If you're finding reasons, if you're finding excuses, especially, well, look at the world, look at crime, look at this, look at that. Look at God. Look at the purpose and the destiny that he has for your seed. We see Moses, there was, that was not a convenient time for his parents to decide to have a child. But God had a purpose that he needed a deliverer after 400 years. And says this, and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was mighty in words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brothers, why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you wanna kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off the sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses whom they rejected saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. Verse 36, this man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. So like I said, very nice summary of the life of Moses. And we're gonna pick out certain points as we go along. But firstly, what I wanna establish is this, is that God doesn't need to work through mankind but he chooses to work through mankind. 
I'll say it again. God doesn't need to work through mankind, but He chooses to work through mankind. God could have very easily done this whole Exodus thing by Himself. You see other areas in the, in, the, in the Bible where he would send an angel to speak to someone, like Gideon, right? An angel of the Lord came and spoke to him. Other times he would speak to people in dreams. So he could have easily sent an angel to Pharaoh. He could have easily appeared himself to Pharaoh. He could have easily appeared in a dream to Pharaoh. And he could have done those plagues all by himself. But he doesn't. In his wisdom, and which we don't always understand, is that God always chooses to work through man. He can do it by himself, but he chooses to do it with us, and he chooses to do it through us. And it's the Genesis 1, 28 thing all over again, where he gave Adam and Eve dominion over the earth. We are the stewards of this realm. We are the stewards of this. And Psalm 115 says, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth He has given to man. And so God will always work through mankind. He will, every purpose, every plan that He has, He will choose someone to do that with. He will do that, He'll choose someone to do that through. And so it's very important, and I know we've said it quite a few times, but just know this this morning, that you are chosen. You have been chosen by Him. He wants to co-labor with you. He wants you to partner with Him to bring forth His plan on earth. Jesus modeled it in His prayer. He says, Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is the mandate of the Father. Not that we would just make it to heaven, but that each one of us would bring heaven to earth. And so we are uniquely chosen, hand-picked, by God, designed, not coincidence, you are designed for purpose. And whether that's being a house mother, whether that's being a, a business person, whether that's being a, a, someone in ministry, whatever it is, wherever you find yourself, God has chosen you in that situation, in that moment, in that place to bring forth His purpose and His plan. He chooses you. He can do it by himself, but he says, I want to do it with you. I want to do it with my children. The second thing is this, is that when he has chosen you, he will protect you in order for that purpose to be fulfilled. I'll say that again. When he has chosen you, he will protect you in order for that purpose to be fulfilled. We read it here in Acts chapter 7, how Pharaoh would, would issue a decree for all the children and all the boys, all the baby boys to be killed. And so Moses' mother, it says she hid him for three months. And then after three months, she didn't know what to do. So she made a basket, put him inside it and put it by the reeds of the river. And it says Moses' sister would go to, to the river and said she would go and watch to see what would happen to the child. It's almost as if like Moses' mother was like, I don't know what to do, so I'm just doing this. In, in, in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, she did it. By faith, she hid Moses. By faith, she put him in a basket and she put him by the reeds of the river. And by chance, Pharaoh's daughter comes along to the river. And God moves her heart and it says she has pity on this child. And God rescues Moses. God preserves him where thousands of other Hebrew boys had been killed. This one survives. 
This one lives. Why? Because God saw the purpose and the plan, the destiny that He needed this man, Moses, for. Reminds me of the story of Jesus, right? When Jesus was born, um, you remember the story, the three wise men came to King Herod in Israel and he, they told him, we're looking for the king. And they, and they said, well, we think the king's, we well, said, when you find the king, let me know. And so his idea was that he wanted to kill this baby Jesus because he wanted to take hold of the kingship forever because he heard that this baby Jesus was gonna be a king. The wise men don't come back, he gets angry. And so he also, he issues a decree similar to Pharaoh. It says, every Hebrew boy under the age of two must be killed. And so he says this, and before it's even decreed, God gives Joseph, that's Jesus' father, he gives him a warning and says, this is what Herod said, I want you to flee to Egypt. And so before the, the borders are closed, before anything happens, before Herod can even make a move, God preserves the life of Jesus and sends him to Egypt until Herod dies and then he comes back. We see it later on in Luke chapter four. We're talking about the, the destiny of Jesus Christ where it says he's, he's in the temple, he's read the scroll of Isaiah, he's given his call, he's given the purpose for his life on earth. He's, the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bind up the broken heart, to preach the good news. And then it says the people, the, the people became angry and they wanted to kill him. So they dragged him to the edge of the cliff and they were about to throw him off. And then this, the Bible makes a statement that says, and Jesus just walked through them. It's like, I don't know what that looks like. Did he like become invisible or I don't know. But he, it wasn't his time to die. The Father was watching over him. The Father was preserving him. In Isaiah chapter 42, it actually prophes Isaiah is prophesying about this moment. And he says, well, let me just read it. I wanna show you something. In Isaiah 42, verse six and seven, it's prophesying about Jesus. It says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. And listen to this. This is just what Jesus proclaimed before they tried to kill him. To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. But I wanna focus on verse six. He says, I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. That word keep means to preserve, to guard and to watch over. And so the, you can look back on your life and you can see how the Father has watched over you. The Father has guarded you. The Father has protected. I see, I see Jeremy sitting right here. And you remember Jeremy's testimony of his little girl, Isabella, how when Tim Becker was pregnant, the doctor said that they should have an abortion. The doctor said, no, there's all these things wrong with this baby little girl and my recommendation is that you terminate this pregnancy. But they, 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 they wait on God and God said, no, that is not the will for this child. And they stood on that. And boom, nothing wrong with the baby. It's the same thing. God preserved that little girl. God was watching over, and it's just like we talks about Moses and, and, and Moses' parents, like by faith, they hid the child. By faith, this is how it's written in the history books of, of heaven. By faith, Jeremy and Tim Becker stood. By faith, they denied the reports of the doctor. By faith, Isabella was born. And by faith, 
we get to see her walk out the destiny and the purpose and the callings of God over her life. But the thing is, God preserved her. God watches over the destiny that He has placed inside of us. He watches over it to make sure that we will come to fulfill it. And we see this in the life of Moses. And so we go back to Acts chapter seven, and I wanna focus on verse 24 and verse 25. And it says this, sorry, verse 23 to 25. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptians. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And so we see here at the age of 40, the the calling and the purpose of God begins to burn in Moses' heart. It says that he had it in his heart to go to his brothers. And so he, he recognizes that God has called him as a saviour. That's what it says. God called him as a deliverer. He doesn't fully understand the picture of how God wants to do it. And so he goes as this deliverer and what he does is he acts out on that purpose. He acts out on that calling which God had called him to. But yet he does so in the wrong time. Yet he does so in his own strength. He does so in his own manner. And what happens, we know the story, it didn't go as Moses thought it would go. Now, I bet you, like, after he killed that Egyptian the first day, he's like, felt like really good. Like, this is it, God. This is what you've been talking to me about. This is where, what, what you were saying. I'm the deliverer. I'm the saviour. So he goes out the next day, you know, to be like, it's like, like a superhero, like, what is it, like Batman. He sits and he waits, looking for the, for the, bad guys to do something, then he jumps out and he gets them. Now, that's what Moses was doing. It's like, all of a sudden now, it worked the one day, so it's like, okay, cool, I'm gonna leave the palace and I'm gonna walk around and see where I can be a deliverer and see where I can be a saviour. And what he finds out is that it didn't go as he thought, as he thought it went. And so he sees the same guys and they're busy fighting each other and he approaches them and goes, why, why are you fighting? No, I'm the deliverer, I'm the saviour. Let me come and sort out this thing that you guys are going through. And they tell him about the, the man that they killed. And it says here in verse 25, it says, they didn't understand. They didn't recognise the call on Moses' love. They didn't recognise the purpose. They didn't recognise the understanding of what was going on. Furthermore, we see in Exodus chapter 2, verse 15, it says that Pharaoh finds out about this. He finds out that he killed the Egyptian, hit him in the sand, and now Pharaoh wants to kill Moses too. And so we know what happens. Moses flees into the desert. And this is where it gets very interesting and where Moses now transitions into this next phase of his life. And for 40 years, he's in the wilderness. Again, when we look at, it's interesting how you can compare things in the Bible And so, again, we compare Jesus, right? He didn't have 40 years, but he had 40 days in the wilderness. And Jesus' time in the wilderness gives us an indication of what happened to Moses in his time in the wilderness. And so, we know Jesus' story, Luke chapter four. Jesus is in the wilderness, and it says the enemy comes to tempt him. 
And what does he tempt him with? He tempts him with his identity. If you are the son of God. Say to this, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, say to this. And so we can just imagine what was happening to Moses in the wilderness. Are you the deliverer? Are you the saviour you thought you were? Then why did it happen? Why did it go like this? Why didn't it work out? Why didn't they recognise? Why didn't they understand? And so in his wilderness time, the accuser came to do what he does best. He came to accuse. And we draw a comparison between Jesus and Moses. And I, and I love in, in Luke chapter 4, again, when it talks about when Jesus goes into the wilderness, it says, and Jesus went into the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 14, it says, but he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. See, the wilderness, it will either make you or it will break you. That wilderness moment where we, we step out, it doesn't work like I think it was gonna work. So I take a step back and the accuser comes. How I handle that moment will determine the delay or the acceleration of my calling and of my purpose and of my destiny. Or if I even step out of the wilderness. If I remain or if I carry on walking. And so Jesus went into the wilderness, filled with the Spirit, but he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. But Moses was a different story. Moses got broken in the wilderness. And so he wanders around in the wilderness for 40 years and he's just a shepherd now. From this mighty man of God, called at birth, rescued miraculously, the Saviour, the Deliverer of Israel, and now just a shepherd. Everything stripped away. All the purpose sucked out of him. But we know the story in Exodus 3, I think, Exodus 3, where God comes and he visits Moses. He visits him in the burning bush and he, he begins to, to reignite this flame. He begins to reignite this passion inside of him. He begins to reignite this purpose. And he says, Moses, I'm calling you to deliver Israel. And so Moses was never wrong. He, he, what he had in his heart was of God. But like I said, it just wasn't the right time. It just wasn't the right way. He stepped out in his own ability. He stepped out in his own strength. He made a mistake. But God didn't disqualify him. God still looked at him and said, I still call you to this purpose. But like I said, we see a very different Moses now. From the Moses of 40 years ago, if God had appeared to him in the burning bush, yo, he would have just like, okay, let's go, Woo, let's do this. Now's the time, you know, full of like, let me, what do I need, Lord? Let's, okay, let me, I can do this, don't worry, anything, Lord, it's fine, I can just do it. Aaron's coming, no, I need Aaron, it's fine. You know, he, he would have just ran full steam, into, head into, full steam ahead into it. But like I said, now we see a very different Moses. And so there's three statements that I want us to look at when God encounters him. 
And so the first one is this in Exodus chapter three, God counters him and he calls him, he says, Moses, I'm calling you to purpose. I'm calling you back to your destiny. I'm calling you back as the deliverer. I'm calling you back as the saviour. And what is his response? In verse 11, he says, but Moses said to God, who am I? He no longer believes that he's the deliverer. He no longer believes that he's the saviour of Israel. He no longer believes that he's the chosen one. The accuser has stripped him of his identity. All he believes about himself now is that he belongs in the wilderness. He believes that he messed up. He believes that he failed. He believes that he's been disqualified. He believes that God will use somebody else and that his portion in life is now just to be a shepherd in the wilderness. But regardless of what Moses thinks about himself, God still calls him. So this dialogue continues. It goes over two chapters where God is, appears to Moses and there's this dialogue back and forth where he's trying to convince Moses of the destiny and the purpose that he's put inside of him. And so Moses has all these excuses. He has all these hurts and things that he has to work through. And we see the next one in Exodus chapter four, verse one. It says, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. What is this? What's going on here? This is Acts chapter seven, verse 25. They didn't understand, they didn't believe me before. And now I'm gonna go to them again. The same guys, they're gonna recognize me. I'm gonna say the same thing again, Lord, and they're not gonna believe me just like before. He was wounded. He was carrying hurts from when he stepped out. He was hurt, he was wounded. He, 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 he emotionally, he was not in a good place. And so now God's saying, go and do the very same thing. You went to those two guys and you proclaimed yourself as the deliverer. And now God's saying, go do that again. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They didn't believe me before. Why would they believe me now? And so Moses was lacking in identity. Moses was wounded. He was hurt. The next thing we see in Acts 4, Exodus, sorry, Exodus 4 verse 10, says, but Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, <laughs> I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. But I'm slow of speech and of tongue. He's a liar. What did Acts chapter seven, let me go back, Acts chapter seven, what it says here. Acts chapter seven, verse 22. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Listen to this. And he was mighty in his... He was mighty, and, and, and this is, I have never been eloquent in the past or since I have spoken to you. What happened to him in the wilderness? Even the, the self-belief that he had in, 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 the, in, the, in the confidence and the giftings of God that were given to him. Remember Psalm 139, the story, the, the, the intricately woven, the gifts and the abilities that God put in him as a deliverer. Even that he denies. 
And so he, he says, God, I can't do this. So God's eventually like, okay, cool, fine. Let me just get Aaron. And so Aaron comes along and he helps him. And so what I want us to see and focus on is that purpose was sucked out of Moses through an act of failure. He thought he had failed. He had given up, he had thrown in the towel, but God never gave up on him. In spite of Moses' lack of identity, in spite of his woundedness, in spite of his low self-confidence, God still said, I choose you. Despite his failure, despite the mistakes, he still says, I choose you. Romans 11, it says, the callings and the giftings of God are irrevocable. He doesn't change his mind concerning your purpose and your destiny when we get it wrong. He doesn't take that book that he's written in Psalm 139 and says, okay, well, scrap that one, tear up the pages, let me start a new book. No, it's written. It's already written. The days of your life are already written. And sometimes we go off on this wilderness journey, but he calls us back. He says, Lloyd, this is what I've written. What are you doing there? He says, come back. Come back to purpose. Come back to your calling. Come back to your destiny. I wanna show you something very interesting about Moses' failure. In Hebrews 11, verse 24 to 27, it says this. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And listen to this. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Then verse 27. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for who endured him as seeing him who is invisible. We look at Moses and he says, I'm a failure. We call him and we say, Moses, you made a mistake. God looks at him and says, you made an act of faith. God doesn't see us as our shortcomings. He doesn't see us as our mistakes. He sees us as what was written about, over us. All the time, like I said, it never changes. Heaven doesn't record our shortcomings. Heaven doesn't record our failures. Heaven calls us who we are. Heaven calls us what He has made us to be. In God's eyes, Moses never changed. He was still the same man at 40 years of old, burning with the purpose of God in his heart, burning with the fire, burning with the passion as the deliverer, as the Savior of Israel. God still saw him like that 40 years later. Where is now this man? He's just on the floor, just 
just existing. No purpose of life in him, no self-worth, nothing, no identity, nothing, hurt, shamed, offended. God looked at him and saw that man, not this man. And so I want to encourage you, no matter what the mistake that you have made, no matter the failure, no matter the inadequacy, I know it didn't work out, but he doesn't disqualify you. He still sees you as this one. The woman, the man that he called you to in the beginning. The one in whom he wrote in his book. That is who you are. Your identity is not a failure. That is not your identity. Your identity is the purpose and the plan and the calling that he has over your life. And it never changes regardless of age. Moses was 80 years old when he stepped into his purpose. Smith Wigglesworth, also 80 years old when he stepped into his purpose. There's never an excuse. Whenever we come back, he's like, okay, let's go. Let's do this thing. So what I want us to do now is just, I'm gonna go through a couple of scriptures and what I love about the Bible is there's always a bigger picture in, in the smaller detail. And so God finds Moses, like I said, he finds him on the floor. He begins to call him back into his purpose and eventually Moses agrees and he goes with him. But now God has to change this man. He has to change this identity. He has to change his woundedness. He has to change just all the stuff that's broken in him and restore him to the one he was. But notice this is that he does it on the journey. He does it in the purpose. He does it in the calling. He doesn't say to Moses, okay, Moses, you are really broken. You are really messed up. Um, you need to go to pillars of truth first and then you and you go and need to go see Josh, he's gonna counsel you and pray for you and then wait for seven months and let God just heal you and then. God says, okay, Moses, I see you are broken, but that doesn't matter. Start walking with me. Let's start walking this out. And as you walk, as you go into the purpose, I will help you. I will heal you. I will change your identity. I will pick you up from your brokenness. What he says, I'll lift you up from the ashes and seat you among the princes. And so we're gonna see this now. And so we're gonna go through the, the different miracles um, which were spoken of in Acts chapter seven, which, which you see that Moses and, and Aaron performed. But there's gonna be a change at some point. And so we'll, we'll point it out when we get there. So the first one, what I want us to see is Exodus chapter seven, verse 10. Listen to the language that says, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. And it says, and Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh. So we've got Moses and Aaron together and Aaron's doing the stuff, right? God appeared, remember, God appeared to Moses and said to Moses, pick up your staff. You know, then I will do miracles with your staff. But here we see Aaron doing it. Why? Because he was broken and God's like made a compromise with him. Okay, I'm gonna send Aaron along to get you into this journey. So in Exodus 7, 10, 
says that Aaron does the miracle. Exodus 7, verse 19, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch your hand out over the waters of Egypt. So again, we see Aaron doing the miracle. 8, verse 5, And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff. So again, Aaron is doing the miracle. 8, verse 16, So now we're moving along, right? God, Moses is beginning to see God work. He's beginning to see these things like, this is actually happening. This thing is actually coming true. You know, all the stuff that he told me about the burning bush, I can see it. You know, so here we again, 8.16 says, And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff. So again, we see Aaron. But there's a transitioning point in the next miracle. In, verse, in chapter 9, verse 8, it says, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, again, they're together, and says, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln. And, where, and who? And let Moses throw them in the air. And so we see the response of Moses here. He's no longer the broken man in the wilderness. There isn't the Lord, who am I to throw the suit in the air? They're not gonna believe me if I throw it. Let Aaron do it. Lord, let Aaron be the spokesperson. Let Aaron be the one who throws the stuff. There's a change in Moses. Through, these, through these, this, this time period, God has been working God's gentleness And in His mercy, He molds us and He shapes us and He calls us back. In Psalm 18, I think it's verse 36, it says, your gentleness makes me great. Say it again, your gentleness makes me great. Isaiah 42, a a, a bruised wick He will not break. A faintly burning, a bruised reed He will not break. A faintly burning wick He will not quench. And so God, in His, in His love and His mercy and His gentleness, He doesn't just thrust Moses, He doesn't like swim, you know, throw him in the water. You can see the pun of throwing in the water. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. <laughs> he doesn't just put him in it, but He works with him line upon line, gently bringing him back to the man He was supposed to be, the deliverer of Israel. And so now we see Moses throwing the, the suit in the air. We carry on with the miracles in 9 verse 22. It says this, or let's, you know, Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in the land of Egypt on the beast and the, on the man, on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. It says, Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven. Aaron's not even mentioned here. Next one, 10 verse 12, same thing. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land. Verse 13, so Moses stretched out his hand. At this point, Aaron's just become a spectator. Moses has begun begun to walk into the fullness of his calling, the fullness of his purpose. 10, 21 is the same. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand. And then verse 22, so Moses stretched out his hand. And then chapter 14 Verse 15 to 16, the most famous one, the most iconic moment for which Moses will be remembered. God says to them, they're standing by the Red Sea and God says to Moses, Moses, take up your staff and stretch it over the sea and the walls will part. The waves, the water will part and you will walk through on dry ground. See, it was never meant to be Aaron. 
He wasn't the one who was supposed to be there at the Red Sea, pointing the staff that the walls would be divided. It was always supposed to be Moses. But God in his gentleness, God in this process, he, he molds Moses back into who he was. See, Aaron had a different calling. Aaron was called to be the high priest, not to be the deliverer. He wasn't supposed to be there. But God used him as an aid. And so this is not just for Moses. This is for all of us. He knows where you are. And he has not disqualified you. In his mercy, in his gentleness, today he is calling you back into your purpose. And in his gentleness and in his love and in his compassion, he will mold you and he will shape you to bring you back into the fullness of what you have. As we close, I want to read Deuteronomy chapter 34. It's, the chapter title is called The Death of Moses. And really it's like a, a it's a, what's it, what do you call when someone dies? Like a, not a eulogy, but like a, it's an ode, it's an honouring of the life of Moses. So in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10 to 12, says this, talking about Moses, says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord had sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. And so Moses ended well. He fulfilled the purpose. He fulfilled the call which God had over his life that he would deliver the nation of Israel from the land of Egypt. But the thing is this, is like it almost wasn't. It almost wasn't Deuteronomy chapter 34. He was almost the guy who just stays in the wilderness. And so the crux of this is that in Exodus 4, Moses had to make a decision. God was calling him. He made all these compromises saying, okay, I'll bring Aaron with you. I'll do these things. I'll be with you. Just come. But Moses, ultimately, he had to make a decision. Am I gonna go or am I gonna stay? And despite how he was feeling, despite the rejection, despite the lack of identity, he made a choice to follow God. He made a choice to heed the call. He made a choice to step into his purpose. And so my question for you today is what will your decision be? This is how Moses' story ended. How will your story end? Will it be as God has written in your book? Where you will be remembered by heaven, you'll be remembered by generations. Leanne did this and this and this and this. Or will you write your own story? And will you choose to remain in the place of brokenness? Will you choose to Say, Father, I'm too old. I've messed up too much. 
I hear what you're saying, but I'm not that person anymore. Will you disqualify yourself? Or will you take up the call? Will you take up your purpose? Will you let failure and mistakes define your legacy? Will you let your failures define the, 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 the rest of your life on this earth? Or will you allow Him to call out the, the greatness inside of you, to call out the purpose inside of you, to call out the destiny inside of you, the man, the woman He has created you to be? Will you say yes to that? What will you choose today? Because I want you to make a decision. God is no different to us as He was to Moses. The same mercy, the same love, the same gentleness, the same processes apply to us. But ultimately the decision lies with us. Are you gonna say I'm too old? Yes, Lord, you asked me to do this when I was younger, but I'm too old. Yes, Lord, you asked me to do this, but I tried and the business didn't work out, this marriage didn't work out. And so I've given up the dream. I've given up. Will you dream with God again? Will you partner with Him? Will you finish His the book that was written for your life because he won't force you. And so I want to encourage you this morning, despite your failures, despite your mistakes, despite the woundedness, make a choice today. Father, here I am. I don't know how this works. When I tried it the last time, it was a bomb. It just sucked, everything broke. But here I am again. Lord, as you did with Moses, take me on this journey and show me the way that I should walk in. He has chosen you for purpose. He has chosen you for destiny. And the only thing that he needs is your agreement. He just wants your yes. And then watch him work. Watch him unfold. And so those things that God has spoken over your life, those, those purposes that burned in your heart at one stage, the, the, the callings that, were there, that so devoured you, that you were so passionate about, let him ignite that again. They're not gone. They're not forgotten. Like I said, he didn't change the book. It's like, oh, mistake, script error, scratch it out, let's put a new one. No, it's still the same. The calling's still there. The, the, the desire, maybe you dreamed of, of traveling the world, of laying hands on the sick and seeing miracles, signs and wonders, and something happened and now you're here and you're not there, but that thing is still alive. It's still in the mind, it's still in the heart of the Father. And he's, we've gone on this wilderness journey and we've just going through life, from Monday to Friday, Monday, Sunday, Monday to Sunday, just over and over and over, just the mundane things of life. And we think that's it. 
You think this is the Christian life. Just get through the, and I go to heaven. But he's called you to more. He's called you to partnership with him. He's called you to adventures you can never imagine. Will you say yes? That is the question. Will you stand up out of the pity? Will you stand up out of the heartache and move forward? Or will you get stuck in the wilderness? And so the decision is yours. He will not force you. I will not force you. But he will pursue you, guarantee that. And he will come to you, even if it takes a burning bush to get your attention. He will do it. So let's pray. And so Father, we thank you that you, you do. You say that the, the callings and the gifts of God are irrevocable. And Lord, I thank you for every single person, Lord, that their days have been written in your book. The purpose and the destiny and the plans, Lord, those things which set our hearts on fire, Lord. Those things which we dreamed of, those things which we live for, the things which we breathe for. I thank you, Father, that they never change. But they are written, Lord. It is written so. And I thank you that today, Father, you have called us back into purpose. You've called us back into alignment. And I ask, Lord, that for each one of us, that you'd give us the courage, the confidence, and the faith to say yes. To come into agreement with you, Lord God, and to see you unfold the plan and the destiny of our love. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your gentleness. We thank you for your faithfulness that you never give up on us, God. You never give up, Lord. You never disqualify. We thank you for who you are, Lord. And Lord, I pray that the, that the, the, the call of God which goes over your people this morning would be so strong, so clear, Lord. That we would know the way in which you are leading us, God. And so we, we thank you, Father. We thank you for courage to say yes, courage to say amen, courage to agree. And Father, that at the end of our days, it would be written as it is in your book. On this earth, Lord, the books of earth would match the books of heaven. Every detail, everything that you said would happen, that it would happen, Lord. And then we would step into eternity and then you would say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have done all that is required of you. Now step into the rest of your master. And Father, I pray that that would be our goal, that would be our desire to honor you in this life, to please you in this life, in every way and in every detail. And so we bless you, God. We give you all the praise and all the glory now in Jesus' name. Amen.